Are you an early stage founder looking to grow your SaaS? The SaaS Doc Founder Membership is a private community of ambitious SaaS founders where you can get a support network of peers, connect with like-minded founders around the globe, and learn proven strategies from industry experts to help you scale up your SaaS. If you want to get access to peer groups, investor meetings, mentor hours, and more to help you scale faster together, then visit sasdoc.com forward slash founder hyphen membership to apply, or just go to sasdoc.com and go up to the header menu and click on memberships. And even your application form, if it's right for you, mention the SAS Revolution show uh, to apply for an exclusive discount. Find your SAS tribe and thrive with the SASDOC founder membership. This podcast is sponsored by G2, the place for buying, selling, and reviewing software. All audiences aren't built equally. Learn to connect with interested and engaged buyers at the right time with G2 buyer intent. Uncover who's researching your product so you know when to reach out and what to say. Sell more and close bigger deals by sending personalized messages directly to buyers ready to talk tech. G2, smarter software decisions made together. Join the community at www.sell.g2.com slash This podcast is sponsored by Chargeify. Chargeify provides specialized billing and data management tools to give B2B SaaS companies the competitive edge. Over the past 12 years, Chargeify has partnered with champions in SaaS like SpendSpark, Mailgun, Connect, and Earthclass Mail to streamline their billing processes, build and nurture lasting relationships with customers, and strategically optimize their organizations for long-term growth. Chargeify's innovative software empowers every B2B SaaS company to step into the future of billing. Visit chargeify.com forward slash SaaSdoc to learn more. Get a minimum viable product that does what it's supposed to do on the team, okay? Get it into the market, get your team hired, focus in terms of quality around your team. Don't try to do everything. And look, this this whole load of push around, you know, work-life balance and everything else. I get it. I'm a father of three. But like, I don't know anybody that ever grew a successful business and exited it that worked 40 hours a week and turned off their computer at five o'clock. You have to be, if you're going to commit into this as a founder, you've got to commit into it. Just make sure you're like you're spending your time in the right areas. Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution Show, brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth, and scale. I'm your host Alex Thuma, and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today, and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show, uh, Paul Lynch, CEO at Chargeify. Welcome, Paul. Alex, great to see you again. Always a pleasure. Good to have you here. You, uh, you in Austin? No, San Antonio. San Antonio. Don't get that, don't get that wrong. That's, 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 <laughs> this neighborhood rivalries there. No, it's yeah. very much San Antonio this morning. Apologies, apologies. That's, uh, but uh, but yeah, how how's things in uh, in San Antonio at the moment? Great. The, we're we're opening up post our post our. Um, COVID stuff, um, we're getting back to normal. It's a beautiful morning this morning, about you know, 28 degrees, sun's coming up, it's just after eight here. Um, yeah, things are, things are good. First time, uh, uh, surprisingly, so the SaaS Revolution show, we're now in our 
sixth year, but we've never had you on uh, the podcast, despite your many appearances at, uh, at SASDOC. Um, but better late than never. And also uh, freakishly good timing. Uh, it's, there was some uh, big news uh, sort of last week, which we'll, we'll get on to um, uh, in, in a moment. Um, but before that, and uh, for the audience that listens to the podcast, uh, that hasn't uh, heard of you, seen you speak at SASDOC, uh, who is uh, Paul Lynch? Firstly, thank you for inviting me on. You know you've landed when you've made it here. <laughs> so uh, thank you. So yeah, Paul Lynch, I am um, the CEO in Chargeify. Chargeify is the leader in complex billing, subscription management and invoicing uh, for B2B SaaS companies. Um, we've been around since 2009. So we're a mature um, SaaS company, a large base in the B2B SaaS services, e-commerce area, but our particular area of focus is B2B SaaS. So we offer really order to cash kind of um, solutions um, into, into this space. Personally, um, I'm coming to you from San Antonio, Texas today, but as you can tell from my accent, I'm not a Texan. Um, I'm from Dublin, Ireland. Um, I've um, been through you know, a whole rapport of uh, rather of um, different businesses, starting off in telecoms, going into hosting um, as that market exploded, um, as people moved to outsource models, going into software and then software as a service. And I've led now several um, B2B SaaS companies, um, pretty much all of them to a successful exit. Um, and uh, you know, Chargeify is 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 the, my current position, uh, which is a business which we're enormously um, you know bullish about. Um, we think it's in a fabulous space. The B two B SaaS market itself is exploding, and the underlying services tools to make these guys successful um, are on the really the right trajectory. So, how, how did um, an Irishman from Dublin, uh, you know, ended up in San Antonio at the helm of, of Chargeify? What's the story? Uh, behind that. So as you said, you've had some successful exits, um, you, you know, uh, why do it again? And how did you end up at, at Chargeify? So jumping into the time machine um, and going back to 2006, um, I, uh, as a young, sprightly um, sales professional, um, came in and invested in a business called Hosting365. We successfully grew that company to be Ireland's largest um, shared hosting domains and managed hosting business. We launched um, Europe's first um, infrastructure as a service product in about 2007. Um, and at that point in time, um, we had a, another young, sprightly uh, marketing um, executive um, who was called Ed Byrne, um, put forward the clock 10 years. Um, Ed Byrne came out, founded a um, venture equity fund called Scaleworks in San Antonio, Texas um, in 2015. Um, in 2000, late 2015, early 2016, I joined Ed out here. Um, we, we have a model of acquiring um, B2B SaaS companies in right across the gambit of, of, of different industries. At that point, we acquired Assembler, which was a code repository and management tool uh, with a project management function. Um, I took the leadership position within Assembler. And we successfully grew that business for a number of years by a couple of hundred percent. And then exited that to a JIRA uh, HGGC backed um, business in the developer tool space out of Houston. Um, so um, the next sort of um, position that we, we looked at within the portfolio was Keen and Chargeify. So we brought those two businesses together. And that's how I sit here today as CEO of Chargeify talking to you. Uh, amazing. And uh, uh, do, you, do you occasionally get homesick for, for, for Dublin? And, and are you calling San Antonio? home for, for good now, or is, is that hard to say? 
I think so. I mean, there's this, this, um, I mean, I think all Irish people are drawn back. I mean, it's, it's, it's the Irish affliction, is it not? Um, <clears throat> we're a nation of immigrants, but um, we, al- we always sort of have a clear path home. Um, I, I have no interest right now in, in terms of, of going back to Ireland. I'm not homesick. Um, San Antonio suits me um, in terms of, in, in, on a personal capacity, I married, I have three children, 9, 11 and 13. This is a real family kind of town. Um, the children are in an excellent school here. Um, it's a very sports orientated society, Texas in particular as well. So all the kids are, you know, super busy doing sports, everything from football to swimming to lacrosse to basketball, fully integrated, weather's lovely, gets a bit hot in the summer, granted, but uh, I, I'd, I'd rather have the the sort of the, the warm heat of Texas than the driving rain of Ireland that sweeps in on a November morning when you're standing by a rugby field. Well, at least there's conferences like SASDOC, which are in, in Dublin, which allows for you to come back home uh, once a year. Uh, Let's get them back, Alex. I missed them. <laughs> That's it. Same, same. It's going to be, uh, well, it'll be two years uh, without a, a conference in Dublin uh, soon enough, but um, uh, definitely uh, back in 2022, the way uh, things are going. So that'll be uh, great. one hell of an event and a hell of a party, uh, I, I think, uh, as well. I'm going to uh, relinquish all hosting duties from the, the stage and just like look after the speakers like yourself, Paul, and uh, just uh, t- go around Dublin and have have a lot of fun. I think no, uh, no false platitudes, Alex. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, it's it, like I, I, I think we've all probably been surprised in terms of how effective Zoom and how effective sort of remote and virtual meetings have worked because we've all used them from an inside sales perspective and been to success. But the, one of the things that's really, really missed for me is the lack of conferences. Mm. Um, you guys are doing a great job in terms of virtual conferences, but like uh, you know. It, it doesn't trump standing by a bar, shaking hands with a competitor or with a potential partner, you know, having a beer, discussing, you know, what problems you can solve, what problems they can solve, and then coming out of it uh, with, with a clearly defined kind of path in terms of how you want to go forward together. Does yeah. it, like, that doesn't work on Zoom. I mean, that, yeah. that's that's how partnerships and friendships and, you know, our relationships with the likes of ProfitWell, our relationships with multiple different businesses, they grow out of conferences like SASTOC. So, I mean, we, we're all looking forward to getting SASTOC back. We're all looking forward to, to, to that kind of, you know, close rapport that we enjoy as SAS CEOs and SAS founders and how we carve and uh, how we bring our industry forward. So do yeah, it. Definitely. I couldn't have said it any better. And uh, yeah, I think you said with the, with the virtual conferences, we're still able to create, you, you know, uh, great content and, and serve the audience with that. But the, everything else that, that you mentioned, you, you just can't replicate, right? So, uh, and, and there's so much value uh, in that, right? So, um, yeah, looking forward to uh, uh, that coming back uh, uh, as soon as we can. And um, so last week I mentioned at the beginning, uh, there was some big news. And we, I kind of popped onto LinkedIn and I saw this announcement uh, and uh, I was like, wow, you, you know, awesome. And, and, and then trying to uh, think about like, what does that mean? So tell us a little bit about uh, like what happened uh, last week and maybe a bit of like what, you know, as much as you can in terms of the story behind and how long uh, perhaps this has been uh, spoken about, how quickly it kind of happened, uh, how long it took, uh, yeah. et cetera. Um, well, bear, bearing in mind that I like I, I do have curtailments in terms of what I can say and what I can't say, obviously. Um, so, yeah, last week there was an event in terms of the billing and subscription management in FinOps space, uh, Battery Investments, which is a 
you know, I think they were founded in, in, in 1983. So a very mature private equity fund. Offices globally, you know, two on the West Coast, one up in Boston, um, Tel Aviv and London. Um, they came in and they made a majority controlling investment in Chargeify. At the same time, they synchronously did the same in SaaS Optics, um, which is a, I, I'm not going to go as far as saying a competitor. Um, it is a business that operates in the B2B SaaS area and it, it it, it talks to a lot of our customers, but in most cases, it solves a different problem to what we solve. Um, so, you know, when when battery, and I, I speak for the general partners in Fund 13, where the investment was made from, when they looked at the, the sort of order to cash market, they felt that there wasn't a single entity um, that had really gone from A to Z and joined all the dots. And by that, I mean like contract management, order management, product catalog management, billing and subscription management, invoicing, all the way through to payment processors. And, and, and they, they, they firmly believe that um, there was a position to, to find a best-in-class company to do just this. Um, they also looked at the, the, the greater market um, in terms of who was operating in it. Um, and, and Zora being the sort of market leader here, they felt that you know, there was no, as, as, a, as a market leader, they hadn't successfully done this. Um, they came in and uh, they, they they took controlling interest in ourselves and SaaS Optics. Why choose Chargeify? Uh, we've always adopted a product-led sort of um, attitude towards growth. Um, this has been our policy. We, we've invested heavily in our product. We feel that, uh, and I think the market would, 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 would agree with us, that we have, hands down, the best billing um, engine out there. We do you know, usage billing better than anybody else. We have competitive advantages around event-based billing post our acquisition of Keen in, in, in March 2020. And then you look at SAS Optics. SAS Optics, clear leader in terms of FinOps tools and, and selling into the office of the CFO. Spectacular products around revenue recognition and contract management. You bring the two together and, I mean, it, it might sound like a, like, a, like a tired kind of analogy, but the, the sum here is far greater than the individual parts. You have a you have a business that really solves all the problems that you require as a B two B SaaS founder, irrespective of your size. Um, so the, the businesses will operate independently of each other um, for the time being, and uh, as we look to see how we can best serve our customers, because you know although they would have focused on on FinOps as their core area, and we would have focused on billing and subscription management, the one area where there is a huge um, crossover is around being a customer led business, customer first. Amazing. Well, uh, congrats on the uh, the news, and obviously we'll be uh, looking forward to seeing uh, this come together, and uh, obviously the continued growth of uh, uh, of both businesses, uh, of which uh, you, you know, um, as you say, Chargeify has had some uh, fantastic growth over the last few years, which has obviously put you guys on the radar of the likes of, of battery. And today we're going to talk about growth, but sustainable growth uh, in SaaS using data and pricing. Um, and um, yeah, so let, let, let's get in, in into that. So obviously, what you, you know, I, when we first started SaaS stock with uh, 2016, uh, I, I would say like most companies, SaaS companies, went public, and it was growth at all costs, and uh, none of them were, were profitable. I mean, like anecdotally, I'm sure that some were, um, but uh, definitely that seemed where the industry was, and all the money was going in, and it's just to grow as fast as you can, capture the market. But then actually un under the hood, there weren't these amazing sort of businesses because they were you know, kind of churning money. Uh, but we are seeing this big shift, uh, I think, sort of over, over the recent sort of years. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess kind of like why have we seen that shift from, you know, these unprofitable grow as fast as you can business to sustainable growth? 
Uh, why is it important now, do you think? I mean, it was always an inevitability. I mean, businesses and industries mature over time. Um, like ultimately, like if you're adopting a, a growth at all kind of cost kind of strategy, um, it's not for me. Um, and, and these are not businesses that I really, uh, that I've ever led before. But that's not to say that there isn't a position in the market for them. I mean, I go to Hopin and, and Jimmy. Like, I mean, he was faced with a with a with a fabulous opportunity in terms of virtual conferences. Um, you know, when COVID appeared, uh, he had a business that was like not pre-revenue, but with some more revenue. And he, like, you got to capture that. So he he raised heavily, and he took his business to a five point six five billion dollar valuation. Um, that's a really good example of a business where venture capital really suits because they said capture the market mentality because it's a limited time frame. We don't know what that time frame was when he when he embarked upon this journey, um, but we knew it wasn't going to be indefinite, or at least we hoped it wasn't going to be indefinite. Okay, so like from that kind of business, it like makes sense to capture the market while the market exists. For other businesses and other areas where there isn't this kind of obvious, clear timeline in terms of your ability to get in and capture the category king position, one has to adopt a position of sustainable growth. And the reason why I say that is because fundamentally, all these businesses, you know, you, you value a business from a maturity perspective on its ability to throw off cash. Um, now, that could be 20, 30 years end line. Like the timelines don't matter, but ultimately, at some point in time, an investor needs to look at your business and say, can this business operate profitably? Can this business generate cash? Because uh, that's what we're here for, um, you know? So the, um, the sustainable growth for me has always been the key thing that we require as far as business is concerned, you know? Um, like that's always been the, the, the policy that I've adopted in terms of operating businesses. Um, don't burn at all costs. The, the the concept of being able to 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 lift your 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 top line revenue number by spending at all costs in most cases, not all cases of course, but in, in in most cases, it doesn't result in the net worth that you've expected. If you have an issue in terms of your investment partner, then that issue is going to be prevalent as you move forward. Um, and they like, are they going to be in a position to follow their money? Uh, I, I I think about a a category leading software as a service business that sits on Nasdaq. They had a very bad Q2 last year where they, they, they did a terrible earnings call and they lost 40% of their market value. They lost 40% of their market value on the back of a poor earnings call because the market decided that they weren't in a position to ever turn a profit. And that's, you know, no one on an institutional level is going to invest in the business for the medium to long term if they can't see that kind of return. Who is that? Zora. Sora. Okay. All right. I feel like I'm picking on the one Julie this morning. Um, <laughs> it's all right. Uh, now, look, the reality is, Alex, they recovered in, in Q3. Yeah. Um, and, and they've, 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 they've claimed back a lot of their market, um, their, 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 their cap and stuff like so. But th this is my point that I make. Like, I mean, yes, when, when, when that business went public and, and they listed onto the NASDAQ, they had a very large revenue to EBITDA gap um, percentage, EBITDA, EBITDA burn percentage. Yeah. Uh, which is grand if that's if your intention is to get into Nasdaq, but sooner or later you've got to be able to demonstrate that uh, there, there there is a, a, a position at the end of the rainbow here that's going to get you to profitability. And how how do you how do you data uh, for sustainable growth? Then, like, what are the examples that you, you you're seeing uh, for companies that are listening? Well, for me, like, I, I I don't know how to run a business without data. You know, the first like. Benioff is very famous, and they always say, like, before you hired anyone else in Salesforce, you hired two recruiters. 
Uh, for me, before I'll hire anybody into a business that I'm looking to run, I'll hire myself a data analyst so I'm able to interpret, you know, what what things actually mean. Like you cannot operate, grow a business or sustain a business without effective data. It's just impossible. Um, what data do you need to look at? Revenue, trending, EBITDA, gross profit, your unit economics, CAC, LTV, all of these things are unbelievably important if you want to grow a business sustainably. Uh, if you don't have a handle on these, then you're going to lose control of your business incredibly fast. Um, you know, the, 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 uh, one of the things that I, what I dislike about the whole venture capital model is that they, they, they represent themselves as being data-led, but the data that they're interested in is really one thing, which is, which is growth data. They're not interested in, in, in other data points that proper sustainable businesses are very keen to, to, to view. Um, for me, like, you know, we should have targets like within your company around gross profit. Every point that you that you fall back in in terms of gross profit um, will bring enormous value to your business, but it's not a metric that a lot of SaaS companies are interested in. Um, and this is the honest truth. I mean, I look to, to, to run gross profit, depending on the SaaS business that I'm leading, at between sort of 88 to 92, 93%. The reason why we sell our businesses on revenue multiples as opposed to EBITDA multiples is because we have strong gross profits. And potential acquirers and investors know that, you know, come an economic downturn, come a global pandemic, we'll be in a position to shift the business, um, take the OPEX cost out of it and drive it back into profitability, which is not too far from home. When we saw COVID coming back in March, we sat down, um, you know, the charge of our leadership team and this, the, the, the Scaleworks Venture Equity Fund that, that, that owned and backed us. And we said, we don't know how bad this is gonna be. Um, I, I, now is the time to move away from a burn scenario. So over the next 60 days, we took the business from a heavy burn into profitability and we ran it as such all the way through to October of last year where we then decided um, we would we, we would release um, our capital and we would move it back into a burn scenario. Okay, uh, uh, amazing and, and, and thanks, thanks for sharing uh, that as well. Look, with the, uh, if you think about like majority of our audience are between like zero to 10 million revenue, probably like, you, you know, the, the earlier stages so you mentioned that when you join a business, like this one of the first hires, or maybe the first hires, this data analyst. Do you think that's um, whilst that's the case uh, for yourself uh, and how the way that you want to run business is is that uh, applicable to you know early stage SaaS founders? Uh, you know, if you're less than a million in revenue, or if you're over a million in revenue, to to make that hire, uh, would you say? I would think that the applicability for uh, applicability for a business of that size is more so than for a business of mine that has an established management team. Um, so yes, um, you know, take a learner driver and blindfold them and ask them to drive down the road. You know, there's going to be a problem. Um, you you cannot move away from this. I mean, it, unless you have the next hop-in, uh, unless you have the next Trello, um, and unless you have a, a sort of model that is immediately adopted by your user base, you have to focus on the unit economics. Um, you know, the, this whole, I don't want to sound, when, when I started off in SaaS, the concept of a RevOps kind of organization really didn't exist. Um, like now, we, we, we have a, a team of RevOps with six people in, within Chargeify. Um, like, I, I know... I, on my, my Wednesday management meeting, when I sit down and I, I run through with my, my leadership team, my KPIs are clearly defined and they're backed by data. Um, if my, my 11-year-old comes to me and says he wants a sandwich and he's hungry, I'll say prove it with data. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
that's uh you know there's um there's nothing that you should be doing in your business that you can't accurately prove with data there's no key kpi you should be setting that where businesses fall file and where they go astray and where they run into problems is this concept of like gut feeling you know i i can't prove it alex but my gut feeling is that 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 you know this is the direction we should be going and i've been doing this for 20 years no a terrible policy like you know don't talk to me about your gut feeling Bring your data analysts into the room. Let's look at your unit economics. If you want to move into a, a burn scenario in your business, irrespective as to the size, that's fine. But let's understand what the applicable price is here by doing that. Let's understand what the potential growth could be. Um, there's nothing wrong with having a business that's growing at sub 20% and throwing off you know, a million dollars a year. That's a great business. When do we lose focus on the? We need to have a business that's growing at 300% a year, burning all this money, and then suddenly the burn outpaces the growth and you're in trouble. Are you an early stage founder looking to grow your SaaS? The SaaS Stock Founder Membership is a private community of ambitious SaaS founders where you can get a support network of peers, connect with like-minded founders around the globe and learn proven strategies from industry experts to help you scale up your SaaS. If you wanna get access to peer groups, investor meetings, mentor hours and more, to help you scale faster together, then visit sasdoc.com forward slash founder hyphen membership to apply, or just go to sasdoc.com and go up to the header menu and click on memberships. And even your application form, if it's right for you, mention the SAS Revolution show uh, to apply for an exclusive discount. Find your SAS tribe and thrive with the SASDoc founder membership. What data are you looking at on a on a daily basis um, uh, without perhaps, I, I don't know if you're speaking to the data analyst on a daily basis, what is your, what is the, like the tech stack? What are your dashboards on that? So when you come into work or, you, you know, it's eight o'clock in the morning at the moment and I'm stopping you from looking at your, your, your data because we're, we're speaking, but after this call when you're going to look at your dashboard and, um, you, you know, what, what does that look like? Uh, and what are the metrics so, you're looking at? So like, on a weekly basis, so like on, a, on an hourly basis, I mean, there we have triggers inside of Chargeify that 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 does notifications in terms of usage changes. So we've a we've a hybrid pricing and billing model within Chargeify where we have you know fixed term contracts that are that are set by you know feature um, and plan, and then we have usage revenue that's determined um, in terms of how the business is operating on the platform. We we base it on revenue processed. Okay. So I get notifications, you know, as soon as there is a deviation in terms of a customer going up or down, I'm immediately notified of that. So if I see a large increase, I'm able to talk to my customer success team and make sure that this is a credible um, increase and it isn't a glitch in the in the machine or, you know, something hasn't happened on their side where they've processed you know, $20 million, which should never have been processed. And then they're facing, a, you know, a bill from ourselves. So real time around that, you know, real time in terms of um, uh, my pipeline. So opportunities entering my pipeline, we measure a full sort of SaaS pipeline all the way from top of funnel to opportunity. Uh, that's in real time. So as 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 you know, the stuff moves from SQL into opportunity within my um, Salesforce uh, CRM. There are, are updates that are pushed across to show real time changes in terms of my pipeline. Um, you know, in terms of close one, um, when anything moves from opportunity to close one, there's notifications on the MRR side. Um, on a weekly basis, we do a deep dive, which is a two-hour meeting with my executive team where we sit down and we look at, you know, everything um, 
from a from a PL perspective, how we're forecasting out the month, um, what we're going to look like in terms of our revenue, what we're going to look like in terms of our gross profit, what we're going to look like in terms of our, um, our 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 revenue at the end. Now, when you're doing opex on this, it, it it's very much um, you know you're guessing uh, on an opex perspective, but managing like within within chargeify managing what your revenue is going to look like at month end is, is, is easy it's what we do so yep. you know so being able to to postulate out if we're going to are we going to shrink this month are we going to grow this month what are we going to grow by if, if i see consistent growth of you know four or five percent month on month over a trendable period of three to four months how does this impact my uh my my, my ability to spend in my business if i'm if i'm over my budget from a revenue perspective and i know i'm going to have discretionary income what what am i going to do with it so I can forecast out three, four months in advance if I uh, if I want to take a larger standard SaaS stock, or if I want to hire a sales guy in Australia, you know, or if I want to, um, you know, open up an additional Amazon instance in in in, in Eastern Europe, um, and it's not going to impact my bottom line, and it's not going to increase my burn. Um, so, you know, the like it, it it almost sounds like it's um it's a different way of operating your business from a SaaS perspective. It's just a common sense way to operate a sustainable business that's growing in a controlled fashion. I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, some some great insights there. What about when we switch to pricing and using uh, pricing for sustainable growth? Um, recently, you've been speaking a lot about uh, at pricing, a lot of thought leadership about that. Um, and, and so, yeah, how how have uh, you leveraged, uh, I think, sort of pricing for sustainable growth uh, and generally what are like the best practices that, that you see around that? So, I mean, I've spoken about this like uh, several times. I mean, I, I think the two people that constantly bang this drum are me and, and, and Patrick over in Profitwell. Like we, that we, I in earnest believe that one of the levers within, you know, your B2B SaaS and subscription businesses that is not examined and pulled effectively is that a price. Um, you know, you price too low, you bring yourself into the market that like people will perceive you in terms of what your price is, whether you like it or not. You know, um, if you um, if, if you bill your product out at you know five dollars a user, um, then that's how you're going to be perceived. Um, you put your you, you can take a, a fine bottle of brandy if you stick it on the bottom shelf, you're going to be perceived against your Mary Celeste's and your your cheaper kind of gut rock brands. Um, so you have to, you have to get that right, and you have to focus on it. And I'm not like. People spend so long in terms of their marketing funnel. They spend so long managing their sales funnels. They spend so long on other areas within the business. And then they go to their competitors' websites, write down on an A4 pad what their prices are, and then benchmark against that. And that's their price going forward. That's an insane philosophy around how you would price. Um, you know, one, value-led pricing. What is the value that you're offering to the customer? You know, uh, Make sure that your, your, your price and your value are aligned. Always, okay? Understand who your competitors are. Know who you're pricing against, for starters. I mean, I, I always use the example of Quibi and Netflix. Quibi came into the market and they priced $11 cheaper than Netflix and felt that they were they, they were um, um, they were appealing uh, to, a, to, to a 15 to 24-year-old demographic. Um, the, they failed. Why did they fail? They, they failed outside of like, you know, the, the mobile like applicability of their products. On a pricing level, they failed because they felt they were $11 cheaper than Netflix, but Netflix wasn't their competitor. They were $5 more expensive than TikTok. Um, so they were killed there. Um, what, like, how do you want to bill your customers? You know, are you going to price them for unit basis, a per seat basis? Are you going to feature gate? You know, are you going to run a plan-based system? 
if you're going to price on a usage basis, is it going to be plan plus usage? And if it's going to be usage, what usage is applicable and represents value to your customers? Um, uh, like, and, and at that point in time, like, can you can you introduce a price that is based on a per unit level, like Amazon Web Services does, like Twilio does, like Datadog does? And can you make that? Can you demonstrably show how that value aligns to that price? So yes, you're, 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 this looks like a strange way to price potentially within a market, but you know it's going to bring it in 30 40% cheaper because you're only going to be paying for what you've consumed. I mean, these models where like, investors were abhorrent, financial institutions were abhorrent to these things 15, 20 years ago. You, know, you don't have you know, predictable con- contract-backed revenue. We're not going to lend to you or we're not, going to, we're not interested in talking to you. Seven of the last 11 successful IPOs, including Snowflake, these are these are pure usage-based models. <laughs> the fastest-growing IT company in the history of humanity is Amazon Web Services. You know, pure usage. You'll never get the same bill twice, and you'll never get the same bill as anybody else because you pay down to the last widget to, dem- to demonstrate value. These are the real levers that we, assess founders and leaders, we need to look at and make sure that we're pulling these levers around price and around um, around how we bill. The, 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 you look, I'm passionate about billing, which comes across, which is obvious. Why did Amazon Web Services win the market, Alex? They didn't win it because they had uh, you know better customer support than Rackspace or IBM. They didn't win it because their servers were highly higher performance. They won it on the way they built. They showed the market that you no longer needed to you know pay for what was deployed out um, um, and you only use for one day a week. If you use it, you pay for it. If you don't use it, it's not paid for. This is value-based pricing at its very, very best. And uh, it's it's a perfect example. Of the world of, of, of pricing and the world of software and IT services changed in 2006 when, I, when AWS launched with a value-based pricing model and brought event-based billing to the market. It's an and, incredible lever. And, and does Chargeify do value-based pricing? Uh, so we, we, yes, we do, and uh, around um, around how you around how you're processing over our platform. So we look to we look to, to we have a usage a very strong usage component in terms of our revenue lines to make sure that you know you're only paying for what you're processing through our platform. So that, uh, uh, when you get successful, we're more successful with you. So it's in our interest to enable your success, um, and also on a services basis, we're the only business out there that that does event-based billing. Uh, most of the hosting, most sorry, most of the hosting by 10 years, most of the uh, billing and subscription management companies in the market have a component of, of, of usage pricing that they deliver out into their um, into their customer base. Um, this is our sort of key area and our area of expertise, uh, be it metered, batched, usage, event, uh, we do it all. Uh, we'll take billions of ingress-based ICP packets or whatever packets you wish to send us. We'll overlay the billing logic um, between Chargeify and Keen, and then we'll you'll be able to generate an invoice out to your customer on down to the very last API call, down to the very last email sent, you know, down to the very last query. Do you, do you see, um, obviously, <coughs> as a large number of customers, um, and do you see this sort of trend that, you know, are SaaS companies shifting towards value-based pricing or is there still like a lot of education uh, to be there uh, and it's not a one-size kind of fits-all uh, uh, sort of offering? Um. So yes, I mean, as like you look at you look at as I said, seven of the last eleven successful IPOs were based around usage based. Uh, I, I would go as far as saying society is moving this way. Um, there, there, there's been a quantum shift in terms of like the, the, 
the, the payer demographic as millennials have, have moved through the workforce and suddenly, um, you know, started to, 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 to have mortgages and, you know, these like, I was born in, and you were born, Alex, I mean, we're of the same vintage into a, um, into a society which, although had multiple different communications channels, had nothing like the millennials and those coming beyond them have today. Um, you know, through social media, through, um, you know, chat apps, you know, TV, thousands of stations, all of these different things coming together, right, um, delivers to, to, to a discerning purchaser now uh, all the information they need at a fingertip. Um, you, you can't gouge anymore. And if you feel that you can, your, 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 your business will fail. Um, do not, the consumer is not ignorant. Um, and if, if, if you, they will have a, an underlying base feeling in terms of what the value is of your product. Um, if you come in high, they'll simply jump onto G2, Captera, they'll, they'll query the internet, they'll look immediately at your competitors and they'll discount you like that. Um, so the, when I say society is moving in this area, it is, I mean, you know, you look at, you know, fixed kind of subscription services like, you know, gyms, you look at, um, Cinemas, all these different things. Everything is looking to move to a subscription model away from 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 uh, you know basic one-off payments, and those subscription models are now looking to move to usage. You know why um, should I you know pay seventy dollars a month for a gym membership I don't use? Why can't I pay you every time I I go there? Actually, even if I go there, I'm not using half the stuff that's in that gym. Why can't I pay you every time I take a step on a treadmill? Every time I, I lift a um, you know uh, you know a, a weight. Um, this is where society is moving, and, and you know all these kind of models in terms of offering value pricing into the consumer base. Uh, these are the ones that are winning. I mean, B two B SaaS is at the forefront here. Like, who are the winners and losers? You know, you look at Datadog usage based billing, hundred percent year on year growth. You look at like Simulogic. You look at Amazon Web Services. You look at Twilio. You look at Sangrid, Mailgun. These are all um, tools. Snowflake. These are all tools that um, have you know non predictable usage and value based pricing methodologies. We're going to start moving that out. You know why? You know, like let's move it into consumer electronics on the back of you know IoT technologies. You know, pay for every time you open the fridge door. Um, you know, in terms of your 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 golf clubs, pay for every time you swing it. Um, I'm not sure that model would work for the manufacturers, I mean, certainly for me. But uh, you know, you, you understand what I'm saying. I mean, if you can demonstrably show to an informed consumer that you're offering real value, they'll purchase from you. If the consumer perceives that you're looking to gouge them and overcharge them, and they're able to assess what your price point is in the market and, and assess their own value, you'll lose. I think I'd be getting a large bill if uh, every time I open the fridge door, I had to pay for it. But um, <laughs> uh, but maybe maybe that's a, a signal that I need to go on a uh, on a diet. Well, there was ten ten years ago. There was there was a great use case of a comedy club in Spain where they put a camera on the back of the seat in front of um, all the uh, the patrons that went there. And uh, they use facial recognition technology to see how many smiles each of the, the consumers had. And uh, they build you per smile in the comedy club. So if you didn't right. smile and find anything funny, you didn't pay. <laughs> so I'm not suggesting this is going to be the, the future in terms of comedy clubs, but it's just a really interesting use case. Yeah, no, um, definitely. definitely. Uh, good stuff. Well, uh, let's um, recap maybe on the, the kind of the, the top uh, sort of a like couple of things that SaaS founders that are listening, you know, can do regarding data and pricing to get this uh, sustainable growth. So, you as a SaaS founder and as a business leader, you can never have too much data. You can never know too much about your business. Um, you know, 
about you know eighty five percent of all data or something. I, 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 eighty to eighty five percent of all data that's collected is 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 is, is queried. Um, so there's a hell of a lot of data out there that's never queried. That's why we need data analysts. Collect the data, query it, and let's get meaningful insights. Um, base our business decisions not on good feeling. Base it on data. Base it on, 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 on logical things that we can make, assumptions that we can make in terms of the data that's presented to us. Don't try to become a data analyst if you're not one. Um, you know, Either get an outsource firm that can come in and, and help you get to those insights or hire a full-time data analyst. I will always go for the latter. I feel that this is a key member of your team um, and you should be making decisions with them in the room. Don't hire a strong data analyst to help you gain insights in terms of the data you're collecting around revenue, unit economics, profitability, uh, and then leave them in a separate room. Um, work with them. Um, you know, on the sustainable growth level, like, are the businesses out there that um, have an opportunity to spend, 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 and to win the market? Yes, of course. But for me, they're black swans. Um, you know, you, you, you for your medium to long term success. Um, you want to have a business that is predictable, that is forecastable. You want to have growth that is sustainable. You don't want to have a business that does that and then falls off. Um, you know, manage the, the motions that you have within your business. Equally invest in, in the areas that you need to invest in. Don't spend 90% of your available capital on sales and marketing at the huge detriment of product and, and engineering. Um, build sustainable growth models in your business that are predictable and then predict them using data with the right analysts. Thanks for sharing that, Paul. And then to final uh, sort of questions then, um, if you, you've had a few successful uh, sort of exits uh, sort of in your past uh, and recent sort of present, like what do you think is, is there like a secret source uh, to that or uh, is, is it your, your knack of looking at, looking at data? Uh, but like for founders that are listening that haven't had a successful exit or, you, you know, they, they've had some failures perhaps, you know, what, what, what is the recipe? Like, why, why is it sort of working uh, for you? So, like, there is no secret sauce. Um, there's no secret sauce in, in, in SaaS. There's no secret sauce in life in terms of being successful. Uh, it takes commitment and hard work. Uh, and it, 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 it takes being secure enough in yourself to know that you don't have all the answers. Um, hire strong people hire strong teams for me like what is the most important role that a ceo has in any business hiring good people hire like you i mean i spend you know i don't know 20 30 if not more percent of my time like hiring people interviewing people interviewing across my executive team um it's thus i have very strong executives in here I like I don't try to be the 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 best person in terms of product in my company. Absolutely not. I have a very strong product leader that, that that's able to manage the backlog and the product roadmap. You know, talks to the customers, realizes what they want. Um, you know, uh, I don't try to um, to 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 be the top salesperson, but I, I I hire strong sales leaders to come into, into the organization that share my 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 mentality and philosophy around being a, a sales led growth business. Um, so like for me, that's the secret. We find a lot of founders that, um, they're very product focused. Um, you know, um, they, 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 they mistake product led growth with overly elaborating on the product, constantly iterating, never getting to an MVP, never getting it into the market. You know, like 
I always go back to, it's weird. There's so many publications now around business. Um, and some of the newer ones are great, don't get me wrong. But like you go back to the 22 immutable laws of marketing. It's a Bible within running these businesses. The law, of, the first mover advantage law. Um, it's, it's never the best product ultimately that wins. It's really the one that gets to market first and gets established in the consumer's psyche. Um, so, you know, don't over elaborate, don't over try to iterate on your product and then pretend that you have a product led growth velocity. You don't. You're just tinkering with your product. Get it into the market. Like I, I know a, a great, great, great SaaS founder. I won't name him. And uh, his policy is like put up a website with the product on it. And when you get 400 requests for information, then build it. I'm not, I'm not sure that I go that far, but uh, like that, 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 that's taking it to a whole different level. Um, so look, Get a minimum fiber product that does what it's supposed to do on the team. Okay, get it into the market. Get your team hired. Focus in terms of quality around your team. Don't try to do everything. And look, this this whole load of push around you know work life balance and everything else. I get it. I'm a father of three, but like I don't know anybody that ever grew a successful business and exited it that worked forty hours a week and turned off their computer at five o'clock. You have to be if you're going to commit into this as a founder, you've got to commit into it. Just make sure you're like you're spending your time in the right areas. I also saw a great one on COVID, which was uh, I don't work from home. I live at work, just for the record. I like that. Good advice uh, as well. And it's, it's a nice way to kind of wrap up the uh, the episode. Where can people find you online if they've got any questions, they want to reach out? Um, yeah, what can they do? Yeah, Um, Come in, talk to one of our agents on chat if you have any questions. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Um so yeah, Paul Lynch, CEO Charge. If I hit me up on LinkedIn, um, I'm I'm happy to chat. Um, if there's anything that uh, you you you'd like me to drive deeper into with you, obviously I'm I'm busy at the moment, um, but I'll do my best to get back to you if you have any questions. Amazing. Well, Paul, thank you so much for sharing uh, with the SaaS stuff audience uh, and on the SaaS Revolution show today. Uh, really been fascinating speaking with you, learning from you. Um, you know, good to see you in, in San Antonio. And yeah, as I say, hopefully we'll get to do, uh, have a conversation and uh, uh, a low carb drink in uh, yeah. Dublin uh, at some point uh, soon. Come across to Texas. I'll see you in Dublin anyway. Yeah, yeah, make, yeah. Make, make the trip and we'll, 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 we'll do the river walk. You'll have a lot of fun. I've got to do it. I've got to do it soon. So uh, watch this space. Uh, now, I've been invited twice. So watch this space. <laughs> good stuff. Well, Paul, thanks so much. Um, really appreciate it. Uh, you've been a great guest. Alex, thanks a minute. We'll see you soon. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SAS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SASDOC conferences around the world.